So Antoinette's from Kodiak. Yeah, I'm from Kodiak and I've lived there most of my life. I fish in Bristol Bay and that's a lot of inspiration for my work. Um, I work in encaustics and encaustics is beeswax and Damar crystals and there's about seven to eight parts beeswax to one part Damar. Damar is the hardening agent so it's not like wax completely. And pigment, and I use a lot of paper in my work, and for me, the paper helps tell the story, and my work is kind of a way of telling a story. Um, this past year was tough for everyone, I know, but it was especially tough for me. I had a couple of back surgeries, and I was in pain, and I couldn't walk a lot, and that's a lot of how I process what I'm gonna do is to walk, and so it was, kind of, um, I'm good now though. I've had surgery and I'm recovered from that and I'm in really good shape. Not really good, but I will be. <laughs> so anyway, I'll talk about my pieces and that will help tell um, my story. Anyway, so we'll start with this one. And it's a double ender from Bristol Bay and it's called In Her Day and it's In Her Day She Could Sail. And you could tell she was a good sailor because of the way her bow comes to a point. And um, she probably just sailed across that ocean beautifully. I like doing these double enders because there's a peeling paint and it works well for me. And distressed wood. Last My last show I did the stern end of her and it was called from prop to from sail to prop, and it had a prop cage around the um, around the prop. Um, this one is called the year of the strike, and that was 1991. And most of fishermen did strike, um, but some didn't. We take our boat from Kodiak across the Shellacoff down the peninsula through Faults Pass, back up the peninsula to Napnik. And it takes about five days and nights. And this is a welcoming beacon on the edge of the river of Napnik. And this last year it wasn't there. And um, because we weren't able to go to shore, I don't know why it wasn't there, if it was the ice flow or if they took it out, I'm not sure. But um, it's, it's always been one of my favorite images to paint. Uh, and I've painted it many times, but it says scabs on the side of the boat, and you know someone writ wrote that in anger towards the fisherman that broke the strike. Rest in the Fog is on the wall back there. It's the double-hander that's sitting in the fog. And uh, we fish mostly in Ugashic, and Ugashic is the most southern uh, river system in, in the bay, and it uh, oftentimes is the coldest. Oftentimes, it's the latest fish run and um, foggy. And that year, the fog was thick. We had, it was during free week, and um, you got to fish for free week, and then the fishing was open. They, they would close it until the fish you know, came and they'd have their escapement. But we went up to Naknik, and it had been 80 degrees all week long in Naknik, and it couldn't have been even 40 in Ugashik. Anyway, that's, that's where we fish. Um, the boat actually is in Homer. It's down on the spit, and I'm pretty sure it was a double-ender in um, Bristol Bay. Patty Shack, when I, 
wanted to do this picture, I was looking more at the lines, the electrical lines, and the way the pole was behind it, and the lines all going to the house, and they were all cut. And um, so when I was building the roof, the, the wood where the shakes had blown off was, um, I was looking for a paper that had a larger font and a bolder line, and so I wasn't really looking at what it said, but just I was looking for that. And when you work with paper and encaustics, you saturate it in the wax, with, and then with a pair of tweezers, you pull it out and you have to move really fast and use a scraper and scrape the air out from underneath. But um, So then, while I was doing that, I read it, and it's about this dog named Patty that was going for his daily walk and um, came across this not very nice cat. And if you look closely, you'll see a dog at the water's edge down here, waiting for his master, I'm sure. Prima Donna is that uh, subsistence site on Lake on Quijack River, and at the end of the season, if there's enough snow melt and water, um, we can go up to Quijack, and that takes you to Lake Ileana, and we cross Lake Ileana to Pile Bay, and drop they trailer us down the mountain, and into Cook Inlet, we cross the Shellacoff and we're home. So it's so much nicer than going all the way down to. Um, Defaults pass. So uh, I hung the reds on that one. They didn't have any reds hanging. In buoy and line over here on the wall next to the same one, um, I just like doing them. I've done a lot of them. And I do them because they work so well with encaustics. When they do those ports, they gouge out the, the numbers on the ports and um, they add papers to them. They have stickers. It's everything that I do in encaustics. And I get to add my own. I like the line and the knots and the tape and the, they use a reflective tape. And I mean, it just works really well with encaustics for me. Pieces of the Bay is um, this boat. I feel like it's my boat. It's laid on its side, you gashing in the grass, um, deteriorating, rotting. And I've taken it, not physically taken it, but had painterly taken it and stood it upright and um, took all the boards out of it and I've been doing it for a lot of years, actually, and floated the boat. And I float my double enders because they don't float anymore. And <clears throat> the um, and I just—it's the same boat, triple, triple. And the sailboats in the background is off of old photographs. The A represents Alaskans, and they had stenciled a little A on boats if they were Alaskans. And the 31H down there is a painting of a copper stencil that I got out of one of the canneries that I couldn't part with, so I had to just paint it. <clears throat> For the girls is this paint, this paint painting back here. And one year out there, they were cleaning out this old cannery, and a friend of ours went in there, and they had a whole bunch of cedar quartz, and he asked me if I wanted any. 
and I told them, sure, I'll take 50 of them. So I ended up with two totes of cedar quartz. And granted, they're beautiful, but, you know, what are you going to do with cedar quartz? <laughs> some of them are red, some are varnished, some are waxed, but still. Anyway, so my partner asked me what I was going to do with those quartz, and I said, I'm going to paint them. And I painted them. And um, I had initially had the background as kind of a creamy color, and they just weren't popping. They just weren't, wasn't working at all. And I had it in my studio, and something came on the radio about a woman. And um, it was really good, and I was really happy, and it went pink. It went pink for the girls, um, the girls in the fishing industry, the girls at the Benel, the strong women in the world, and that's for the girls. So if you have any questions, anything you want to ask me, here for that. For the girls, reminds me of Alex Combs, who used to make those breastplates. Uh -huh. sort of oh gosh, like that's an interesting breast thing, right? too, which is what I thought it was. Oh really? Like, interesting. Uh -huh. Cross. And Annette, I really love how you touch the paintings so much. <laughs> yeah. I think that most people want to. With the, you know, how about you guys? I mean, you want to kind of touch it. It's real textile like that. The nice thing about encaustics is. It dries almost instantly, and it's not like oils where you've got to wait for it to dry and uh, all that. But it dries almost instantly, and I think that it's it is real, really want to touch it. It's real personal like that. Mm -hmm. I thought that the pigment was oil though, or is oil, so it doesn't need. Does it just dry? Well, it does, but in the the pigment that I use in the wax has a lot of wax in it and it dries instantly. Uh -huh. At the some of these paintings, especially like say in the fog, and you'll see in the fog that there's some sweeping lines and stuff and they've got yeah. I've used an oil stick oh. and you rub it into the wax and it go it goes into the grooves and, and you know and here's and there and then I wipe it off. And it's just into the grooves. Now, that takes a few days to dry, really. Um, I know an artist that paints right on top of it. I, I just use it as my last step. Anyway. Antoinette, we talked a little bit when we were installing the show about how um, it was such a hard year. Physically, it was a hard year for you, and emotionally, it was a hard year to paint. But it was weird. And I'm just, I'm curious about how it feels to look at this show. You know, I remember when you were talking, you were just like, I'm not sure about it, but, but it's a knockout. And I just wonder how it feels. I, well, it looks great, hanging. I And, you know, in my studio, naturally I don't have this much room to hang. And, um, you know, I'll hang a couple together or something to kind of get a feel of it. Well, this year, I, I have a place in Bisbee, Arizona also, and... Because of the surgeries and everything, I didn't get to do a lot of it in Kodiak, but then we went down there, and that's a whole different climate, a whole different light. And, you know, I do paint kind of painterly, and it's all that stuff affects my work. Um, so when I brought that work back to Kodiak, and I still had more work to do, I didn't unwrap and check to see how cohesive the whole show would be. So to get it here and hang it, I was... Pleasantly surprised. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. I, you know, I didn't ever, I hadn't done it. And I usually do get the, you know, chance of that, but I didn't. 
I think one of the reasons why I asked is I, I could tell that you know when you were hanging, but it's like it's really incredible that artists feel that way at all stages of development. Like, and then it's up, and then it's wow, you know, and even yeah. you, you know, you have such successful shows, but that you can be surprised, you know, happily and feel right. differently in a space. And you know, sometimes you do. I mean, sometimes I'll go into someone's house that has a piece of mine and I hadn't seen it for years. And it's like, mm, that's pretty good. <laughs> and I didn't, and you know, it's like they say, when you're working on something, you need to get away from it and not look at it for a while and go back to it because, um, you know, I mean, you can just be saying, oh, this isn't good at all. <laughs> And so that's hard to do when you've got a lot of work to do, though. It's hard to just stop and, okay, well, you know, come to the Benel with three pieces of work, doing a solo show. Probably won't ask that. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah? Infinite. Uh, a question about if you use a heat gun, how do you keep your lines so crisp and sharp? What I do is, um, we'll talk about this one, is I use painter's tape, and you don't paint in caustics while it's standing up, you lay it down, you, might, you have a table that you lay your work down on, and I use painter's tape, and you know, you tape off your edges, you tape all your edges off, and you fuse it, because when you fuse it, it's molten again, so um, to keep it from going you know, back and forth like that. And then when I go back to do the black, I put tape here and tape here and tape here again and paint and fuse that also. So it's a back and forth kind of process and you have to do it everywhere. I mean, otherwise it's just, um, it's dispersed everywhere. Mm -hmm. So like even, like say I'm doing this double ender, I mean, you know, naturally I have to take that off but I have to take this off, and this off, and this off, and each, this would have to be taped off to paint this, and you know, you, you have to tape all that off, or it doesn't come, it won't be clear. So that's how I work. And do you use the blue painter's tape? Yeah, I do. I use a lot of it. And don't get the cheap kind, because it will pull the wax up. And a little tiny, like burner, a heat gun, is it? No, I use a regular size heat gun. You do? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Control. Don't go too long. Too, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Blow a hole in it. That's something I really admire in your encaustics work is that, you know, encaustic has so much capacity. You can, you can do printmaking, you can paint with it, you can sculpt with it, you can do collage right. with it. And it can almost get take, get carried away so easily. And your your language has such line and clarity and control. And so it's so interesting to hear how you have boundaries that. Yeah. You know, yes, I do. I mean, other people working in caustics is a lot more um, abstract, and and it's beautiful. And I, you know, would like to do some more of that, but I end up doing this. Um, but no, I, and encaustics that way is beautiful also, I think. There's a lot, you can get a lot of de depth with it, and it has a lot of translucency. Anyway. Any more questions? Does anybody want to ask me anything to answer? Yeah.
Yeah. Um, how long have you been on the Bristol Bay theme? Well, about 20 years. I haven't been a fisherman my whole life. I actually was a bartender before that for 25 years. And um, finally, Scrim bought a boat with a toilet inside, and I said, okay, I'll go. <laughs> I wasn't going to do the bucket. Anyway, um, yeah, things changed, and then I had these different lives in my life. But uh, So it's only been 20 years, I feel like it's yeah. only. But how long have you been now? How long has Bristol Bay images been influencing your art? Like since you started fishing? Pretty much. Because then I wasn't, you know, Bristol Bay is for a couple of months out of the year. And at that time I was able to um, concentrate more on art because my other job was full time. And um, so that's when I really got to delve into it and, and work art more, for sure. I've always worked in art, but not so. I wasn't able to do so much of it right now. Yeah. Do you give any classes? I taught a class in Kodiak with the Arts Council, and they set it up, and um, they set it up in college, a community college. And the problem with having a class is you need to have enough ventilation, you need to have enough wattage to uh, handle for each person to have two skillets and a heat gun and, um, and uh, you know, it, exhaust. You need to have exhaust. So we started out in a room that didn't have that and we kept blowing the fuse and we moved into the shop and the shop had everything. I mean, it had the big blowers and um, it had a lot of electricity. So that worked there, but that was the only class I taught. And I, it is, to, it, it's expensive to teach to, not for me, but for someone that wants to uh, set it up. I mean, it's not, it's not a cheap medium. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Anthony. Thank you so much.